Boom. Good morning. Good morning. On today's podcast, I have special guest Ross Davies. Ross is the owner of Strafe Creative, a digital design agency focused on conversion led design. Growing up alongside the web led Ross to be fascinated by technology and design. Yet he started his career as an ergonomics engineer in the automotive industry. The culmination of both Ross's experience and passions led to his realization that his skills were transferable and thus Straff Creative was born. Have a listen. Have you ever had negative thoughts in your mind that you aren't good enough, that you'll never be successful? If so, you're not alone. I've had those thoughts playing in my mind ever since I took the leap to become an entrepreneur. It's a dirty, dark secret that no one likes to talk about as the glamorization of becoming an entrepreneur is shown in the media. I realized that in order to succeed, I needed help. We all do. So I decided to go all in on myself, spending thousands of hours in the trenches, reading, joining groups, listening to podcasts, hiring coaches to develop a bulletproof morning routine for success. Join me on my journey as together we build our morning fire to ignite our lives as entrepreneurs. My name is Jeff Wickersham, and this is the Morning Fire for Entrepreneurs podcast. Welcome to the show. I am extremely excited to have special guest today, Ross Davies, on the show. Ross, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's amazing to be on. So yeah, man, thank you. You, you are so welcome. So I always love getting in the state because I always say nothing great can be done without energy, excitement, and enthusiasm. So we're going to do three power breaths. And I define a power breath in through the belly, up through the chest, and we're going to raise our hands above our head as we do let's it. Do so it. let's go ahead and breathe in. And out. Good. Another breath in. And out. Final breath in. And out. All right. Now I'm going to amp up the energy. Is your daughter sleeping or at the house where we can wake her up? No, she's no. A, she's a nursery. We're okay. We're okay. okay. All right. So I'm going to count down three, two, one, and we're going to yell boom at the top of our lungs and pound her chest in three, two, one, and boom. Boom. There you go. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate you playing along, Ross. Yeah, so, got to. It's part of it. Absolutely. So go to Morning habits, rituals, routines. Those are mm. the foundation for success. I feel like they're so vital, right? If you want to build anything in life, personally and professionally, having that foundation is so crucial to success. So share with the audience a little bit about what you do to set you down that path towards success each morning. Yeah, so mine, mine is really broken down. It's like, what are my main parts of my life, right? What do I want to be doing? So obviously, I, I run a business just like yourself, Jeff. Um, I've got a three-year-old. I've got a wife that I want to hang around with. Uh, and I try and break my, my day up in that sort of way. So thankfully, uh, I'm going to touch wood now. Like my daughter sleeps through. She generally wakes up at seven. So that's the yeah. first thing I have to kind of reference. I like to get up about half five because what that means is that I can start my day off. I can either jump in the gym or I can get some work done. I can get through some emails. Or the other thing that I like to do is, you know, the classic book of like that eat that frog. You know, something that I've been putting off for a while, I'm going to get done first thing because I know like the rest of the day is going to be great because that's done. So I also like to make use of Parkinson's law with the idea that, you know, the long the, the deadline that we give something, it's going to take us that long. So I know that if I get about half five, I've got just enough time to get downstairs, get my clothes on. I get a cafeteria, I have coffee ready, straight out to my little office in the garden. And I've got an hour, hour and a half worth of time to get everything done. That I want to get done before my daughter gets seven. When she gets up at seven, I then have my time with her. 
Um, I can be the time with the wife when she gets up. I'll then run uh, Isla to my daughter's nursery. I'll then get back. Might have a little bit of time with uh, the wife before she heads off to work. And then I'm kind of into the day, right? So I've already kind of done, I don't know, I always say this, but like I feel like that hour and a half, that power hour, is um, I get probably more done in that time than when I'm actually working because then I've got to speak with staff and clients and anyone else who wants to have a conversation with me. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I break my day down. I love that, Ross. And I, I am such a firm believer, and I would second that notion, myself included, that time in the morning when you're alone, I get more done in that time than I probably do all, all day. Love yeah. a couple of things that you, you raised there and, and having a three-year-old, and, and I do have a decent amount of, of parents that, that are in my network, right? And they say, I just, I, I don't know when my kid's getting up or I can't, I always just say, back it off and you do it, right? Back it off from when your daughter wakes up an hour and a half. Now you have that window, you're accomplishing yeah. some big task and you're using Parkinson's law of time, right? Where you have a condensed mm -hmm. time frame, you know, you've got to get, things done. So it forces you to be that much more focused and really optimize the time that you have. So, so truly, truly do love that, that, that piece to the, uh, the puzzle that you shared. Cool. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. So let's get into your journey, right? Obviously you, you own a yeah, company yeah. now. It didn't start mm -hmm. out that way. Give, give a little backstory for, for the audience of where, where you kind of start out your journey and then along the way, some of those lessons learned that, that we all learn in the, in the, the school. Yeah, of, of course. Knocks. So we, um, I guess just very quickly. So I run a company called Strafe Creative. We are a digital design agency. There are 19 of us now. And that's kind of important because I feel like that gives us the journey to kind of explain where we came from. Uh, so it's kind of straight after university, me and my business partner, Patrick, we went and got our separate ways and did a little bit of work straight away. And we worked at some different companies. And then I'm, I'm probably sometimes overly logical, but one of the things that we kind of discussed between the two of us was, you know what, we don't have family, we don't have kids, we don't have big mortgages, like, you know, we're still kind of out of uni, we're already in debt, why don't we just set the business up now and see how it goes and see how it kind of, you know, how, if we can grow this thing, right? And this was okay. like 12 years ago, um, and, and we've kind of grown from there. Um, and when we first set up, we had our, we couldn't afford an office, so we had to work from home. And obviously slightly different now in the COVID situation that actually anyone can work from home now and I'm working from home right now. But back then that just wasn't a thing, right? Like how do we have meetings? What do we do? And we always had to pretend and always had to go to other people's businesses. We could never have anyone to us. And there was definitely some, some enjoyable learnings that we had to take from all of that. I do also know that it probably took us a year or two, and I don't know if you've ever found this, Jeff, but... When we first set up, we had that kind of like imposter syndrome of, okay, we need to look like this really large, established, overly corporate company to be taken seriously. So, you know, like my headshot was done in like a, in a suit and, you know, like really over professional. And, you know, I was probably like 19, so probably a ridiculous anyway. Um, but we tried to go probably too far the other way in what we expect people to think of a business person to look like. And it wasn't until a little bit further down the line that we kind of realized that we just need to be ourselves, right? And we need to be true to how we want to come across and and really reevaluate how that how that should be done, not just from our overall appearance, but how we talk with people and what we kind of do and kind of touch wood from those sort of places we we kind of started to progress. Now kind of life lessons along the way, right? Like we're always learning and probably learned something just today. 
like even now as as the team grows there's a there's new dynamics of what we're learning and how we're different but the main one that actually ties back in with Jeff which is why I was kind of really wanting to kind of be on this podcast with you is one of those big things that you take away is it's so easy to just lose your day where you look back and I go I don't really know what I've accomplished today like yeah I've made a couple of calls or we may have sold something but um not really too sure how what I've spent eight hours doing. (laughs) So I've got into quite like a religious way of like at the end of every day now, I plan out what my next day is going to look like. I always run a default diary anyway. So I know at set times of the day that I'm always going to be doing set things. And the team members know that as well. So for example, 11 11 o'clock across the board in the entire office uh, is the time where everyone is, is, is what we refer to as catch up time. So that means that at that point, you save up any questions that you might have for other team members. And it's the one hour where everyone gets to disrupt each other. Because what we were finding is like, someone might have a quick question for me. And then that takes me five minutes to answer. But then I've got to get my head back into what I'm doing. And actually, if that happens with every member of staff, that happens 19 times in a day. (laughs) Right. So planning my days and making sure I'm efficient um, became a really critical one, especially as we've grown that. It was all these little small kind of points where I would just say, yeah, let me help you, let me help you, let me help you. And it got to the end of the day, I'd not done anything I was supposed to do. And uh, and that's always one that kind of sticks with me. So I, I always have to remind myself now that I have to say no sometimes. Like you can't just always be there for absolutely everyone. So definitely, definitely some of the things we've learned along the way. I I, sh- I appreciate you sharing sharing the journey and and definitely, you know, imposter syndrome. I think every single person experiences that and but i think going in and i think there's this perception of people when you see the highlight reels out on social media or you see somebody at a pretty high level that they haven't experienced that we every single person experiences that that imposter syndrome and it's just those repetitions it's just the time it's that consistency it's the effort day in and day out that builds the confidence and then that erodes the, the imposter syndrome you have. And I will, I will tell you as, as well, you, you mentioned kind of looking the way or the parts. And, and I think nowadays, and I'm sure you, you, you found this Ross, just being authentic is yeah. so, so much more powerful and people really resonate that with that much more now in today's world than they, they have in the past. So, so, so vitally true. And I, I love that you have one hour where you can ask for help or distract other people. Because when you think about an efficiency standpoint, you said it, if you can be interrupted 19 times, studies have shown it takes anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes to get back concentrated on a task. Boy, you're, you're, you're wasting a lot of your day away. And, and unfortunately, so many people aren't intentional. Yeah. Controlling their calendar and making sure hey, I've got these blocks of time. I'm going to hit these tasks. I've got the tasks you know, down, mark down on a list, on a piece of paper, wherever it might be, I'm marking them off and I'm being very intentional what I'm going to accomplish. Because to your point, the day can run you and yeah. you'll finish up the day and, and wonder what the heck, what the heck happened to it for sure. Yeah. It's a far more eloquent way of putting what I've just said, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into growth hacking really quick for B2B. We'd love to hear, hear some concepts, some strategies you you've got around that and then dive into you know, objection handling and discovering some of those maybe subtle objections that we aren't uncovering at this point. So let's get into growth hacking from a B2B perspective first. 
Yeah, so very quickly, kind of growth growth hacking can can mean lots of different things, right? And like all these different people have different kind of terminology for it, but but it's very much considered a way of marketing for what is a SaaS company or a technology company. So the entire user journey is done online. Um, you know, because of that, they have a lot of statistics and they're able to kind of figure out a lot of these elements. Now, what I guess what we realize is that you know you can then have these mass kind of growth in a very small amount of time because of that, because you're able to kind of identify these user journeys fully online. What we kind of started to notice is, well, these are working really well for tech companies. Can we apply these to our company? You know, we're a service-based, we're a design agency. There's mm-hmm. got to be some of these elements that work really, really well. Why don't we take them and twist them and use them from a B2B perspective instead? So it's a slightly different kind of approach. Um, but one of the, you know, a, a really great example of a, of a technology company that did this really well was Dropbox. So when they first set okay. up, one of the things that they did was they offered a really, really attractive um, referral scheme. And what they did is they said, for every person that you refer to us, we're going to give you two gig of space for free in our Dropbox. But that person that also signs up is also going to get an additional two gig rather than just signing up on their own. Gotcha. And then you got a maximum of, 10 people you could sign up so you've got an extra 10 gig of space now this makes me feel a little bit old as i say this because obviously the minimum amount you get of dropbox is now huge but back in the day i think you would pay like quite a lot of money just for five gigs so the fact that you could get 10 gig for free was was amazing and that was a way where because that entire journey was done online where they could just fire that out to emails that was a really strong like referral scheme that hugely expanded that company but it's kind of taking that idea and going okay well what they created there is a win-win, right? So the mm-hmm. person who referred got something and the person at the end got something. So right. how can we take that as a service-based company and create something that works on a B2B basis? So we then created uh, a scheme around that. So we have a few variations, but one of them is if you're a current client and you're paying like a maintenance fee with us, so a couple of, couple of hundred pounds a month, right. for every person that you refer to us, you get a month's free of your maintenance fee. But then the benefit for the other company is that they might get two months like added into when the project first launches with us, they'll get two months. So it's taking an idea that we're seeing a technology company and looking at ways that we can apply it. Another one that like e-commerce companies and SaaS companies do really well is they get a little bit of money up front from you. And then once you've kind of given them that money, they almost take you to a thank you page. And actually that thank you page is like a really well thought through sales page. (laughs) So they're like, oh, thank you so much for like spending money with us. Did you realize you could do X, Y, and Z and you'll get, you know, 10 times the amount of value that you're going to have. And it's only going to cost you a little bit more money. And then before you know it, you're already doing that. Again, prime example that that is a really nice, solid technique. It works really well because your entire buying journey is online. But there's no reason we can't start to consider those things on a a B2B basis. So you know, if someone fills in that they're potentially interested in an appointment or a phone call with you to learn more about your service, why not take them to a thank you page and educate them about the process in more detail or explain some of the other services that you might have? And we just generally found a bit like that kind of classic compound effect that it's all of these little nuances that you can kind of start to add into your business that you might not have considered before that can make a huge difference. And then that growth hacking where you get huge scale is actually lots of little small experiments all done that add up to a very large percentage. So that's really how we would, how we relate growth hacking to, to a, a business to business approach. I love that. And I love taking it from 
one area industry and then applying it to you know a, a different a, a different service based industry B two B whatever it might be as well as where you said booking a call and then taking them to a thank you page some other type of of educational material you're mm. building that no like and trust factor right you, yeah, they're, they're 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 absorbing your content they're watching it they're reading it they're starting to understand who you are as a person if you're a solopreneur who you are as a mm -hmm. business if you're a business and that's only going to help you down the road when you get to the point where they might be uh, in the in the buying stage and, and considering purchasing whatever you might be selling. Yeah, 100%. I think that's all it comes down to, right? So it's, it's just being able to take those and using them in a slightly different way and be willing to try them out. That's kind of part of it, right? Like, how does that apply to my business and what can I do with it? And I think people just think because they're a business to business company, they don't think they can use these techniques. And that's, I guess that's what we try and do. And I love how you said willing to try it out. I, I always love to, to tell people, put on that white lab coat, right? Become a scientist. You need to try. You're going to fail sometimes. You're going to learn lessons from those, those trials and errors. But if you don't have that white lab coat on, the status quo is just going to, it's going to stay there, right? You've got to, mm. you've got to be curious and you've got to figure out other ways to, uh, to market your business and, and grow your business. So, so fully, fully agree with you there, Ross. So let's get into objection handling. Cause this really piqued my interest when we were talking behind, behind, uh, prior to, to jumping on. So talk to me a little bit about objection handling and, and maybe some of those subtle objections that we don't uncover in the process. Yeah. So I think this is, this is kind of what like strafe my company hangs its hat on. Right. So like okay. we do web design, but we, our big thing is like conversion led. So yes, it's got to look aesthetically beautiful, but we want it convert at a high percentage. So um, the the secret sauce, as it were, is is really more down to really figuring out what the objections that your potential clients will have. And there's always the classic ones, you know, there are always going to be things where people are concerned about price and concerned about time. And yes, we need to answer those. But there's always very I guess, very specific reasons why people might not do something or they do do something with you. So um, a prime example of that is we worked with a company that sold electrician courses. So you could go on these courses, you could learn to become an electrician. They were quite expensive. So they were like uh, £10,000 for, for you to learn to become. It was like a two, three month course. And their website, the old one before we looked at it, was all very much around proving credibility right so they had lots of testimonials and logos of the places where people have managed to go work and shots of the building and they were talking about the day-to-day -day breakdown and those are obviously really key i'm not saying that they're not those are obviously like the key factors but we started doing some research and one of the key things i would normally do is like almost type in the name of your company or your industry and put the word review after it mm. <laughs> and like read what the pros and the cons are i would look at what your competitors are saying and another one that's hugely undervalued are like reading forums in that industry. Mm. So we started looking on all the forums and trying to figure out what these kind of, these wannabe um, electricians were can, like talking about. And, and yes, they were wanting to know, you know, the pass and fail rate and stuff like that and all the standard stuff. But actually a lot of them were talking about things like, if I'm there for three months, I don't want to have to buy lunch every day. I need to know if there's a cafeteria so that, or there's fridges so I can store all my food there. Or, Interesting. Or actually, on a Thursday and Friday night, rather than me driving back and forth from my house because it's an hour's drive, it'd be great if there was a cheapy hotel that I could stay in. It'd be great to know what the hotels are and how close they are and what the prices are. 
Um, it would be great if I knew what the public transport was because I have a station really near my house, so I need to know if there's a station there because actually if I could do it in a station trip and it's only a five-minute walk from the station, then it's going to be way better for me to do that. And what we found is not only did they not do it, but none of their competitors referenced any of that information. Everyone's so busy in just building credibility that they're not actually considering some of these potentially smaller objections that can really make a huge difference. So we redesigned the site and it essentially doubled conversion rate. So just from visually answering these potential objections in a, in a really visual manner makes a huge difference to the user. And I think that's one of the big areas that I always try to get across is don't just be thinking about, oh, I just need case studies and I just need proof and I just need credibility and I just need big stats to show how great we are. The likelihood is that, you know, in the sales cycle, you're probably asked the same questions. So I wouldn't be surprised if this, you know, these these guys were constantly getting asked to say, well, where's the where's the like closest hotel to you? Mm-hmm. And like, is there a cafeteria so I can bring my food with me? Like they were probably getting asked that at the time, but they just were almost oblivious to it. Um, so that for us is where objection handling starts to really come in, is looking for some of these smaller things that no one else is referencing. That's that's incredibly powerful. I mean, to to double the the conversion rate based upon that and I'd say it kind of went back to to my point when we were last talking about putting on that white lab coat, right? And becoming a scientist and figuring out, hey, what's out there? What are the competitors doing? What's my reviews? What do they look like? And then forums, right? What are people talking about that are in that specific niche that you are targeting to understand and then deliver more when they are going out and, and they're going through that buying experience for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, awesome. I, I love that Love that strategy. And I love just the concept of, hey, checking out forums and, and seeing what's what's going out there, right? I, I feel like that's that's a lost art. And so many times, and I know this is very prevalent out in just marketing in general. It's numbers, 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 just hit it and not really doing some research and getting down to a deep level of what you're talking about and understanding what, some of those subtle objections might be. And two, when you're going through, if you're having a face-to-face conversation with someone, having that awareness that there might be subtle things that you're missing, that they might call out to your point, and, and you're, you're just not even hearing or truly listening to them, and then taking them, jotting them down and making sure you flush those out in future future conversations. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's all it comes down to. Yep. So, so true. So Ross, I've, I've loved the discussion. Where can people find more about you and more about your company? Uh, so the, the web address is strafecreative.co.uk. So that's uh, Sierra, Tango, Romeo, Alpha, Foxtrot, Echo, and then the word creative. I always spell it out because you always get crazy spellings, right? So I'm just right. kind of covering this and it's .co.uk. Uh, probably most active on Twitter, which is just Ross underscore Davis. You can kind of see the spelling of my name on on, on screen anyway. Um, and they're, they're probably the main two areas. Awesome, Ross. I so, so appreciate you being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. So I uh, really, really appreciate it, Jeff. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have an amazing rest of your day. Rise, fight, love, repeat. Get after it. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Morning Fire for Entrepreneurs podcast. You now have the knowledge, but without action, knowledge is useless. Choose to act. Choose to step into your greatness and unlock that hero inside of you. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review so more entrepreneurs can hear this message. If you absolutely love this podcast, which I hope you do, then share it up with someone you know who might see benefit from it. Become that beacon of change and together we can impact the world.